Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Alexis Madrigal. This morning, we're talking about crime in Oakland. According to the police, violent crimes up 17% over last year. Since 2019, vehicle thefts have more than doubled, reported robberies are up 30%, and many people think the numbers don't even tell the whole story. To be honest, I hate that we have to do a show on crime in Oakland. There's so much more to our city, so much more to our people. But the truth is, people in Oakland are talking about the crime. It's scary, we worry about our kids, and our friends, and our communities. So today on Forum, we have Mayor Shang Tao and the ranking officials in the police department and the Office of Violence Prevention. What can be done? We'll find out after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. I was riding home from the station on BART yesterday, looking out at Oakland, It's a place I've reported on, walked around, biked through, thought about for a dozen years. It's the first place I've ever lived that has felt like home, and it's a city where a lot of people think things are going in the wrong direction. Oakland has a way of concentrating some of America's deepest problems. Inequality, racial segregation, homelessness, gun violence, and an urban politics that doesn't seem to solve any of the big problems. I don't have any hope one Oakland resident said at a recent town hall on crime. I don't want to agree. I want to stay in the East Bay. I just want things to be better for fewer people to die or be subjected to trauma for my neighbors and friends to feel safer. The jump in crime is happening against the backdrop of a world in which the ills of mass incarceration had become well-known. Oakland has more than its fair share of abolitionists. And over the last couple of years, it's become pretty clear that there are also a lot of law and order Oaklanders who see under-policing as the key factor in what's happened in the town. But you know what I mostly hear? I mostly hear from people who find themselves somewhere in between the two poles of thinking about criminal justice. They want pragmatic solutions that treat every community fairly and that have a real impact on the public safety problems from hills to flats, deep east to the North Pole. Joining us first this morning, we have Oakland Mayor Sheng Tao. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So one of your first moves as the mayor was to fire Laurent Armstrong, the police chief. Do you think that hurt your ability to reduce crime in Oakland? You know, absolutely not. I, we here in the city of Oakland, we know our values and our values is integrity. You know, we've been over the federal oversight for over 20 years, and that is actually costing taxpayers dollars. Um, at the same time, we are very values driven in our values of integrity and ensuring that, you know, our top chief, our top cop in the city also has those same values is very critical and important. And so, you know, having to let go of um 
previous Chief Armstrong, it was a very difficult decision. You know, um, I actually worked with him and knew him on a personal level as well, too. I considered him my friend. Uh, but for me, it's not about whether you're a friend or what have you. It's about the best for Oakland. How about why is it taking so long to hire a replacement? We're going to talk with your interim police chief mm-hmm. uh, a little bit later, but you don't have a, a, a permanent police chief in place yet. That's right. I mean, any process in regards to the police chief or, or searching for a poli- new police chief or any chief in any department, it does take some time. However, I can say that, yes, it could have been done in a more expeditious way. In the city of Oakland, we are charter mandated to have the police commission, which is a citizen run oversight commission uh, that, you know, the people who place the citizens on this commission are also citizens. And so uh, we are charter uh, to ensure that the police commission actually is the hiring body in the sense that they only forward to me their top three candidates. And so I, you know, there was was a lot of infighting within the police commission at the very beginning and i do believe that that did take away from really moving forward the process of yeah. finding the new chief i just fundamentally don't understand the actual conflict that you and the commission seem locked into like i've seen news reporting on it i've read you know what what you've said i've read what they've said but like from your perspective what is actually going on and, and is it almost over like can we just get to the end and get a that's absolutely right i don't believe that the conflict is with myself and the chair specifically us um uh, there's just been a lot of infighting within the police commission themselves. And so because of that, there's been a disruption. And the only time that I am involved is that now I'm showing my frustration publicly because, um, again, I I also want to find a new police chief. The interim chief right now, he will tell you that (laughs) we we should go and, you know, know, we have to solidify that and have some sort of um, stability in regards to moving forward. And so uh, that's why I said that, you know, if the police commission uh, doesn't forward me the top three names by the end of the year, then I would have no choice but to declare a state emergency. So and this will allow me to actually go out and work with a consultant to hire a police chief. However, to your point, your questions, is this going to be over soon? Absolutely. I'm excited that the new selection, the, the, the selection panel is appointing two new police commissioners. Um, the current chair did apply, but she was not forwarded uh, to be recommended. I mean, last weekend, you said that declaring a state of emergency in Oakland would be, quote, political theater. But now we're talking about declaring that state of emergency. So so what changed uh, between you know last weekend and now or this week? Well, I want to be very clear. They're two very separate things, right? And so I do believe that there were organizations saying, oh, declare a state of emergency because, you know, um, whatever the ask was. The ask was not around a specific thing. And my answer to that is, I'm already doing what we can do under the, uh, even if I were to call a state of emergency, which is basically bypassing and being able to work with the governor or whatever have you. I'm working with the governor already. He's already given the city uh, $1.2 million to actually have 300 cameras in the city of Oakland so that we can like partner with San Leandro and Piedmont. And uh, we're working with our privacy commission as well to, to really hone in on making sure the data is actually scrubbed and deleted after a certain amount of days. Um, more so than that, uh, the governor has stepped up and really allowed for us to get support from the California Highway Patrol, six patrol officers in the city of Oakland with a sergeant. And we'll be back to ask for more of the support from there because, you know, in every single jurisdiction in law enforcement right now, uh, they are down in their numbers, including the sheriff's department who has to hire close to 200 positions. Outside policing, what's the number one thing you think would make life safer for the public in Oakland? 
Absolutely. You know, we actually launched uh, just this week. Uh, yesterday, I was at a press conference. We call it Activate Oakland. You know, when I was running my campaign, another thing that I was really big on is to ensure that we are investing directly to communities and in communities and our small businesses. And so Activate Oakland is basically, um, it's $400,000 and we are actually giving out grants uh, in tranches of 10000 And this is to actually support communities throughout the whole city of Oakland and businesses to really put on events. We know that when we activate the space, we get to know each other. We only build on Oakland's culture, but that's how we keep ourselves safe as well. But that's $400,000 spread across the city. Um, That can't be the number one thing to make life safer and Oh, absolutely not. That's one of many different things, right? We have our ambassador program as well, too. Today, we have the most men and women in uniform, in police uniform, plus ambassadors that we've ever had. And so that's one. Obviously, I talked about CHP. There's $1.2 million in the cameras. We're bringing our eight sworn officers to the foot patrol again. And then on the intervention prevention side, because that's equally important, um, you know, we have the ambassador. We have a million dollars into ambassadors who are who actually are non-sworn and they really get to know the community. We also have our macro, which is our mental health line as well, too. They're doing such a great job and we're expanding the work of macro. Um, more so than so that. Wait, I want to uh-huh. ask you about macro a little sure. bit. Um, you know, when we place calls to macro uh, on our on our block because mm-hmm. someone was living there, um, not a lot has happened. And I think not that our one situation matters disproportionately. There's situations going on all across the city. But I think that the, this, what we've experienced is what I think we hear from a lot of Oakland people, which is like, yes, we understand on paper there is a program. But in practice, when we try and make use of that program, mm-hmm. when we try and not go down the road of involving the police and someone who's having mental health problems or living on the street, then is there actually something... To, that that's happening there, right? So how do we follow up and make sure there's like accountability for a program like Macro? No, you're you're absolutely right, and this is why I'm very glad that um, ultimately, when I was on the city council, I was a part of the vote to ensure that it was done in house and uh, it's placed under the fire department. And so with that, there's some accountability um, mechanisms and measures that we can put in place. I do know that right now uh, there is a shared phone line, right? And if we want to alleviate nine one one. We want to make sure that macro at some point in time in the future will actually get its own direct line. Um, but with one, the 911 response, you know, I've called 911 previously. If I got a dial tone, uh, a busy signal. Right. right. And so with that being said, knowing that that is that is not OK. That is not OK. And that's why we put in two point five million dollars that I've just announced uh, into our 911 response system um, that will actually upgrade our um, infrastructure, the technology and al- allow for there to be more humans in dispatch. Talk about the timeline for implementing that, too. Right. Because, I mean, that does seem, you know, I think the Almeida uh, County um, Grand Jury Report said there were that only 50 percent of calls. Right. Were answered within within 15 seconds when the, the sort of metric is supposed to be 90 percent. Um, so when will that when will that 911 center actually be at the level that's sort of like expected around the state? Yeah, you're in your I share your frustration. I share everybody's frustration around this. Uh, this is not something that happened 
just overnight. You know, this has been ongoing for decades. And so under my administration, we're really taking these things seriously and tackling them. This is not the first time we've heard the grand jury say this about 911 either, right? We've seen this happen in previous years uh, prior to my administration. But what I can tell you is that we are coming with a work plan. And so that work plan will be actually um, uh, presented to the city council as early as next month. And so we're, again, we're taking it very seriously. It's nothing new that, you know, that is, um, that we're trying to fix here. We're actually now just putting money behind it under my administration. And so what that means is that the memos and all of these reports and what have you, we have the info already. And so we're going to implement as soon as possible. But are we talking six months? Are we talking two years? Well, you know, there's different things. So it's the, if it's the infrastructure and the technology, we have to purchase the technology and then install it, you know. Um, And so I would think that that a couple of months. Hiring, however, we have 16 vacancies right now. And to all your listeners, if anybody is interested in a well-paid job, it's about 110K, pays 110K a year for our dispatchers. You know, we have 16 vacancies. We're going to open up more positions. Um, What my administration is planning on doing in order for us to retain this talent, because it's a hard job, is we're going to treat it like it's similar to a police academy, uh, where we're going to be bringing in cohorts of people so Mm -hmm. they can really emotionally be there for each other uh, during those very hard calls. And I think that that's going to help with retention. Because we're also losing people, yeah. Yep. We're talking about the rise in crime in Oakland, homicides, property crimes, robberies. It's all on the table here this morning. We're joined by Mayor Shank Tao. And after the break, we're going to be joined by Darren Allison, interim police chief with the Oakland Police Department, as well as Kentrell Killens, who's the interim chief of violence prevention in the Department of Violence Prevention for the city of Oakland. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We want to hear from you on this. You can give us a call. The number is 866-733-6786. You know who the guests are. I'm sure you have your own questions. Again, the number is 866-733-6786. You can email your comments and questions to forum at kqed.org. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and threads. We're KQED Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're talking about the rise in crime in Oakland. Joined by Mayor Shang Tao. want to add a couple other voices as well. Darren Allison is the interim police chief with the Oakland Police Department. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. Thank you for having me. 
We also have Kentrell Killens, Interim Chief of Violence Prevention with the Department of Violence Prevention for the City of Oakland. Welcome. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Mayor Tal, before we uh, jump in with them, I did want to ask you one last thing, which is about that Oakland missed out on opportunity to receive a grant from the state's program attacking retail theft, which has been just such a thing for business owners in downtown Oakland. San Francisco got $17 million and Oakland uh, didn't get the paperwork in. Um, talk to me about what happened there and how you kind of restore confidence that we are trying to do everything possible here. Well, that's under the city administrator's office. And um, what I can tell you is that we are, um, and I'm overseeing this myself as well, too, along with the city administrator, too. We're putting in measures and mechanisms so that we can, we would never miss an opportunity like this again. It is very disappointing. I'm highly disappointed in mm-hmm. myself. <laughs> but it is a personnel issue now. And so, um, you know, it, one of the things that we can tell our um, our constituencies that we're doing everything that we can to really support small businesses. I just uh, talked about the Activate Oakland grants, which is also open to businesses as well. We're actually implementing bait cars, you know, for the bippers. Um, I have a, you know, a team who, and the chief can talk about this as well, to who will be actually working in that regard around just, you know, bipping and what have mm-hmm. you. And then we're investing into ceasefire so we can save lives, which yeah. uh, Chief Killens will talk about too. Chief Killens, you know, when people think about the role of a police department, I mean, part of what they seem to want is that, you know, would stop or prevent crimes from occurring. Do you think that's a reasonable expectation from Oakland or any police department? Perfect. No, oh, oh, no, Chief Allison. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was like, you said Chief Killens. So. Oh, sorry, sorry. My, my apologies. My apologies. <laughs> Um, you know, I, I think that crime prevention um, is reasonable. I think that comes with um, some of the work that we are um, tasked with as a law enforcement agency, prevention, enforcement, community engagement. Um, and so, yeah, that's, it's, it's reasonable. It, it, it can be a little bit more complicated um, when it comes to what does prevention look like. Some want more police presence. Um, obviously, you can't have police officers everywhere through a community. So the prevention comes in the form of working with partners uh, through intervention means. Um, and there's other things we can do in engaging with the community uh, to reduce uh, crimes in, in communities. Yeah, I mean, we call all these things crime, right? But the strategies for preventing, you know, car break-ins or robberies and Rockridge and homicides in East Oakland are different, right? So how do you think about allocating the resources of the department to these different problems across the city? So I, I look at crime when it comes to prevention, um, three areas that you can impact. You can impact individuals that are victims. So you uh, educate, you create situations and conditions so they're not readily victimized. Um, you create uh, areas that you can uh, impact offenders, and that can be through intervention programs and enforcement. And then you impact environment, and you'll see things like uh, uh, crime prevention through environmental design, how you create conditions to not be conducive for crime. And so it's how you allocate the resources to try and leverage each of that, what I call crime triangle. Um, some of it for violence is very intel driven. It's individuals, the small percentage of population that are engaged in violent crime and how we either use folks to turns like ceasefire where we give opportunities and interventions to change the life of crime and if they don't uh, where we engage in enforcement that's just not the police department but all of our justice system partners where other more area-based property crimes uh, may be more afforded towards um, education for victims uh, the septet approaches I mentioned earlier uh, prevention by presence in areas that are uh, known to see high upticks in violent crime are in property crime. So it is different strategies. Kitchell Killens, um, 
violence prevention programs have been cited, pr- particularly in Oakland, as part of driving down the homicide rate, you know, during the 2010s. Um, a lot of people say that that did help, but it was disrupted by pandemic restrictions and sort of how the work could be done. Um, given that the pandemic restrictions have eased, do you have the resources you need to go back to doing the job, which had been cited, you know, even in academic literature as being like a, an effective response? Great question. Um, just to be clear, we, even though the pandemic hit, we didn't have the ability to stop. We worked fully through the uh, pandemic. Yes, some of the uh, roles in which individuals were making contact with folks um, shifted, and that was pr- pretty much based on um, if each of the agencies' ability to determine, you know, what was safe uh, for their workers to proceed. But in terms of engaging with individuals, yeah. um, staying co- connected, um, crime didn't stop, violence didn't stop. So nor nor did we. We we remained on the streets. I mean, do you? What do you see as kind of the root cause that's driving up specifically uh, violent crime, or the kind of violent crime that your that your uh, department deals with? We're seeing a lot of desperation. We're seeing a lot of folks who, um, in the pandemic, um, had those increases um, as they accessed, you know, um, PPE funds or things that were, you know, uh, made uh, made available to folks, whether they were scamming or not. Um, We're seeing a lot of those folks who had, you know, um, an increase of resources in a position where they don't at this Mm -hmm. moment. And and there's a lot of desperation. You're seeing a lot of crimes of desperation, Mm -hmm. um, a lot of robberies that are that are really driven by those who are, you know, trying to uh, maintain a certain lifestyle and you couple that with um the the amount of folks who 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 have um um um, substance use issues um as a a motivator yeah i mean child poverty like doubled in the last year which is just like a a, a terrible and wild stat um i want to bring in uh our first caller here let's go to uh antonio in oakland welcome hi guys thanks for having me on yeah go ahead Um, just i you know so I, my, I guess, first of all, Oakland resident um, recently had my wife's Kia was stolen from our uh, gated community in, in Oakland. So and it had been broken into four or five times. So, you know, very familiar with, with the problems that we're facing. Called 911, didn't get an officer out for I think it was like 10 or 11 hours. Um, so I, I get it. I appreciate everybody trying to, you know, find solutions. Um, but I'm just kind of wondering, you know, um, we have examples of other places, like, for instance, Bogota, Colombia had a very high uh, crime rate, murder rate. And what the mayor did to sort of combat that was really went deep into uh, community engagement to try to get the folks to, to sort of, you know, trust law enforcement more um, and, and have more law enforcement accessible to folks who are, you know, not normally trust, uh, consider law enforcement trustworthy. And sort of it became this cyclical, um, you know, improvement uh, re- re- response both that you know the the community was self-policing they're also starting to become more trustworthy of the police officers themselves um and i'm just you know wondering are, are we doing enough mm. to sort of engage the people to, to help them um i don't want to say self-police but just kind of keep an eye on their own neighborhood but also be comfortable calling the police when they have a, a an, an issue uh, um antonio thank you uh for that perspective i mean Mayor Tao, I mean, you have taken criticisms from people who want to see a, quote, kind of tough on crime approach, but you also ran as the most progressive candidate, and I think we're seen as kind of the candidate of criminal justice reform as well. Um, given those kind of competing pressures, like where do you see the kind of community engagement that um, Antonio is looking for as part Absolutely. of like kind of your portfolio? Yeah, you know, I am definitely a progressive person, but you 
you know, to say that one is progressive and then somehow don't believe in justice, that's just not me, right? I believe in justice and I, I believe that, um, you know, even a lot of victims, I'm a victim myself, my son is a victim, you know, my home was broken into. Uh, my son was home, they didn't care. They just continue. Now he's traumatized for the rest of his life and 16 years old right now, he just doesn't want to stay home. And so I truly believe that uh, the trauma that victims carry, it, it, it means so much to me that we have to have justice. On that end, as well to the trust in law enforcement, that is going to be key. And that is why day in and day out, you know, uh, especially with the Department of Violence Prevention, they are working with people in the community and then bridging that gap with OPD to really say, look, um, let, we have to take care of each other. And we, and not only that, but the Activate Oakland, that is a part of it. When we know our neighbors and we know our community and when officers come out and they're patrolling the corridor and, and biking and walking, uh, that's how you build community trust. And so uh, that this is a method that I 100% believe in. And this is part of why we do the Activate Oakland where we get grants out and to the community. And at the same time, OPD will be there, the Department of Violence Prevention, other resources resources as well, too. Um, you know, under my administration, we did bring back the foot patrol officers in business corridors. And so it'll get officers when they have availability to go out and walk and meet with people. Um, and, you know, and I would add that, you know, Chief Killens can add on to this and uh, Chief Allison as well, too, but about exactly what they're doing. But this is a key aspect of community policing to ensure that community can trust and have a strong relationship with our department, our uh, police department's that they can work with us to solve cases. You know, uh, Chief Allison, I wanted to ask you about this. I mean, we know that this rise in crime is not unique to Oakland. We know other cities across the country, you know, regardless of the the party of the mayor or their stance on crime, are experiencing um, also crime uh, increasing. What do you view as kind of the root cause of the recent uptick, particularly in property crime? Like, do you see, like, do you know something that the rest of us don't about, like, why this is happening? Uh, great question. Um, just to piggyback on what Chief Killens uh, indicated uh, earlier, I mean, there is a sense of desperation. There is a sense of a drive um, for uh, money and, and goods that people can get their hands on. Um, and in that desperation, along with um, just the evolution as our society has grown, I think, you know, desperation exists, but as society grows, whether it's uh, uh, added social media, access to firearms, or just um, more um, saturation in neighborhoods where there's more vehicles, more foot traffic, there's just more access to uh, those opportunities to commit crime. So I think all those factors, as we modernize in society and and our communities grow, um, that ends up creating a condition where individuals that have uh, aligned towards crime will have those opportunities to commit crime. You know, one listener tweets, and I think this goes to um, an important component of the the conversation here. Everyone on the street knows where the merchandise from the smash and grabs and the retail thefts is going. A lot of it is sold on the street. Nothing is done to prevent that, whether it's in Oakland or uh, San Francisco. It's kind of like addressing the the, the market for these stolen goods, Chief Allison. Is that something that your uh, force is taking specific action on? Um, Absolutely. I think we we just don't look at the individual that actually commits the crime. We do try and look at the network that's involved. Um, Oftentimes, the individuals that are engaged in um, property crimes, burglaries in particular, um, are also connected to some of our gang group violent crimes. 
and so looking at that network, looking at where those goods could be offloaded, whether it's a, a fence or whether it's at um, some shop that is actually buying them, is something that we do actively look into and investigate and follow up when we do those interviews. Yeah. Um, turning to the violent crime, um, Chief Killens, you know, nearly a year ago today, I think it was October 4th, uh, Oakland's 100th homicide victim was actually your uncle, Louis Truehill, right? Yes. Uh, shot in a disagreement. And you said at the time, you know, we're ready for this to stop. And it's not just about my uncle. We're ready for the city to wake up and realize that we don't have to solve things with violence. This is not the answer. My prayers are with the city of Oakland. It has to stop. Um, it's been a year. Things have gotten worse. Like, sort of, what's your reflection? Yeah, we um, we are in a... A pandemic in a pandemic. Um, violence in itself is its own form of, of a pandemic because we're seeing multiple uh, forms of violence show up. We're seeing um, from the f- forms of desperation, from the forms of, um, as Chief mentioned, um, the, the consistency of uh, the presence of networks. Um, we're seeing outside entities where, where individuals are seeing Oakland as um, prime area to come in and commit crimes. Um, we're seeing an influx of interpersonal relationships, right? Um, domestic disputes. There's just a number of ways that violence is showing up um, that we're having to address. Um, and we're, we're dealing with individuals with multiple layers of trauma. And so we, we're, we're coming and it's our commitment to be uh, present, you know, at the time of those traumas, whether it's two o'clock in the morning, whether it's four in the morning, whether it's Saturday afternoon, uh, making sure that city government um, is present, you know, and to help uh, provide resources uh, immediately to those individuals and those families that are suffering. Yeah. And can I add on to that as well, too? Um, you know, again, we didn't get here overnight, right? It wasn't something that just happened. I mean, Oakland has been going through these really tough issues for uh, many decades. Uh, what I can say but it had been better. I mean, it had, it been, had better. been better. And, and this is what I'm going to talk about. It had been better, especially around the homicides. Right. And so we saw that when ceasefire was at its height and it was actually uh, saving lives. Right. We saw that happening around what, like, I think um, in 2012 or so, what have mm-hmm. you. And so something happened there. And that is why under my administration, right when I got in, the first thing I did was actually uh, we went to go fundraise to get the money so that we can do a full audit on ceasefire. Right. And so right now we're we're headed towards the the end phase of the audit in October, just in a few weeks, we're going to get going to get those recommendations, which we will implement immediately. And you want that audit because you want to know you're working with different groups and you want to know which groups are most effective. Well, that's exactly right. But it's also, you know, internally, the audit of internally, like what have we, what, what do we stop doing or what have we, you know, what can we implement more of to make it work again? And so um, I can tell you that the ceasefire where we started, you know, we want to bring it back, not just to the heydays, but we want to bring it back to become even stronger and better. And we know that that organization in itself, ceasefire, um, it's not conducting itself the way that it did when it was very successful. And so knowing that, we're also checking um, internally along with checking, you know, uh, the organizations who are involved, what's working, what's not. And so uh, just because, you know, just as um, as well as, you know, this is doesn't happen overnight, uh, the implementation of these solutions will actually definitely affect uh, the results. And it's going to look a lot better. And so I, I would just like to say that, you know, thank you to both of the chief for uh, really um, understanding the importance of ceasefire in this regard, and I'm excited to implement these new uh, programmings. Let's bring another caller. Uh, Justin in San Francisco, welcome. 
yes. On Saturday, I had $24,000 worth of camera stolen in a smash and grab in, on Broadway. And I waited 13 and a half minutes to get through to a 911 dispatcher. She then said it was going to be two hours before an officer would arrive on scene. So she suggested that I make the report online. That was six days ago, and I haven't even gotten a report. All I have is a temporary record number. To me, the system is broken. Within 30 minutes, that the camera equipment was tracked to a major known fencing operation in San Francisco. What is being done? Like, I can't even get action. To, I can't get the footage from YMCA, which is where I parked at 24th and Broadway, mm-hmm. until I get a police report. What's, what are yeah. you doing to fix the system? 13 and a half minutes waiting on hold for 911 is unacceptable. Yeah. Um, Chief Allison. Thank you for that question. And, and that's absolutely right. That type of hold time, as the, the mayor uh, indicated earlier, is not uh, acceptable. It's not uh, even close to the standards that we have with call answering speeds. And so we've had a couple different grand jury reports that have come through that have recognized uh, the Contouring speed deficiencies and the staffing deficiencies with uh, the communications division at the department. And what we're doing now, which is a little bit different than the last grand jury report, which was really focused on just trying to hire as many dispatchers as we can, although super important and our dispatchers do a Herculean effort and a great job trying to handle the call volume. Uh, we want to also support and provide infrastructure within the dispatch center with additional staff that's just not the dispatcher, but other support but staff. But what should he do now over, like, you know, he filed a police report online, you know, six days ago. Like, what should he do to try and sort of expedite what's happening? For that specific uh, report, um, we can get him in touch with the uh, criminal investigations division and an investigator can connect with uh, the caller. And I can actually certainly after this call take down the information if you have access to it and we can reach out to him directly. We will. We will. Thank you so much, Justin. I'm so sorry about that. We're talking about the rise uh, in crime in Oakland. Um, We're joined by Shang Tao, mayor of Oakland. Darren Allison, her interim police chief, and Kentrell Killant, interim chief of violence uh, prevention. Taking some of your calls and comments, um, we've got uh, a bunch Uh, Daniel on Discord says, it seems that Oakland is sometimes unfairly the target of national attention regarding its crime rate. As a result, I think there's a lot of pressure on the mayor and interim PD chief to, quote, do something. At the same time, the city is just one cog in the larger criminal justice uh, machine. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for more. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. 
Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're talking about the rise of crime in Oakland. We're joined by Kentrell Killens, who's the interim chief of violence prevention. Darren Allison, interim police chief, and Mayor Shang Tao. Um, Mayor, I wanted to ask you, you know, you spoke earlier about your family uh, has been a victim of crime. And there have been a lot of crime victims in Oakland who are organizing to recall the district attorney. Will you support District Attorney Pamela Price if the effort to recall her gets onto the ballot? You know, for me, um, I my my number one priority is the city of Oakland. And whoever sits in that district attorney seat, I'm working with them because it doesn't actually serve the constituents of Oakland or the greater Bay Area or the county um, if I'm not working with her or trying to work with her to make our systems work. Of course, we all need each other, right? And so at the end of the day, that's what I'm focused on. Um, you know, whether there's a recall or the politics of it, that that's that, you know. Um, but for me, I'm hyper-focused on working in partnership with her, really understanding what it is that she will charge, really understanding uh, if we can have that type partnership where she can uh, give the city of Oakland a district attorney so that we can work with them. Uh, that has been the case in the past. And I know that she is trying to end those efforts. Yeah. You know, one listener asks, um, a lot of talk about statistics and programs, um, but they don't seem to be working. Can they, and in this case, it's going to be Chief Allison, talk about what they're doing today to address the issues and whether or how the DA is helping or hurting that process? Uh, thank you for the question. Uh, so again, working uh, very focused on the individuals that are engaged in crime, partnering with uh, the Department of Violence Prevention on trying to connect individuals that we see that can have the success with intervention to those strategies. And then we do work with the district attorney uh, to build the cases on individuals who uh, choose not to uh, take a life that involves those strategies. And that is building evidence on cases. And as the mayor indicated, working with the DA to even have a greater presence in our ceasefire strategy. Um, I want to ask you about um, some policing strategy questions or policing tactics. Um, got a couple of uh, listeners who want to know about them. Uh, Keicha writes in to say, I live in East Oakland and the general sense of lawlessness is appalling. It's not just violent crime, sideshows, dangerous driving, theft and break-ins all impact our quality of life. Our catalytic converter was stolen three times. We need real action and real policing. Another listener tweets, it seems police don't want to follow through with what they consider petty crime. Prostitution, car break-in, sideshows, drag racing, all of which compounds urban decay. Um, Chief Allison, you sound like a very informed on police tactics and strategy through time. You know, back in the day, we would have called this kind of policing to try and take care of those things as like broken windows, right? That we're going to try and do that sort of crime. There have been waves of reevaluation of trying to think about, is that actually effective uh, policing strategy to go after that those kinds of smaller crimes in hopes of sort of, you know, strengthening the sense of general order? What's your perspective on that? Um, I think that creating um, and addressing blight conditions and, uh, as the caller would indicate, a sense of lawlessness through different strategies is an important. Um, not every strategy requires just police direct enforcement. It is a collaborative effort um, through blight, whether it's working with uh, Sarah Department of Transportation on towing abandoned vehicles or working, again, with Department of Violence Prevention on the intervention work um, and using technology. So uh, we had mentioned, or the mayor had mentioned, uh, some of the efforts we're trying to do to get fixed plate reader cameras in the city that can help with sideshow activity, identifying sideshow offenders uh, and other offenders to crime. So it is a holistic approach uh, that should deal with those uh, low-lying issues seemingly, but also the even the more serious issues. Yeah. I mean, are licensed readers effective if stolen cars are being used to kind of perpetrate crimes? 
Uh, absolutely, because it's um, not just identification of the vehicle and the vehicle owner. It's being able to see and and get a pattern of the use of that vehicle and and support investigative follow up. So think of it as not just real time uh, identification, but real time and rapid apprehension. And so if we can identify who does the offense, say a burglary that happens right now, and we can in real time locate that vehicle right away for an apprehension, that can break up that cycle and rapidness of violence. Mm. I mean, I guess I just wonder about the actual ability of the department to do that, given, you know, what we hear from people about the kind of response times that that are there. Well, and that's why you have to leverage uh, not just people, but other resources like technology to force multiply what you have. Um, Like many departments and not just the police department, but many other departments, whether it's fire department, public works throughout not only the city, but throughout the country, uh, will all say that they need more resources and more staff. We all would love more people at the table. We don't have access to all those people, so we have to look at other infrastructure solutions to try and leverage it. Um, Mitch, I wanted to ask you, um, because, you know, driving was also, uh, kind of mentioned there. I mean, I've seen that myself. I feel like unsafe driving since the pandemic just went totally nuts. And it kind of seems like a, a, like a deeper sense of, of just like people forgot how to be together (laughs) or something. Um, and what I wanted to ask you was your plans for kind of making the actual roads safer for people, because there are other things you can do for bike safety, pedestrian safety, other things that don't necessarily require, you know, either of the chiefs here, but that are really like within the purview of the city. So what can you do to make people who are, you know, walking and biking safer from cars? Absolutely. You know, um, when I was on the city council, I did my own research around the bot stats and um, we implemented that in my the area. Bot- Stats? Yeah, bot stats. Uh, so bot stats, uh, when you're switching lanes, let's say on the freeway or any yeah. lane, there's like these little dots. And so it's just taking a bunch of those dots and actually cementing them into the intersection. And this really helped with environmental deterrence of any sideshows. And so when done right, we see that it does deter sideshows. Um, you know, the very first place that we implemented that was 35th and MacArthur. That was the district that I represented, and we see that it works. And so, you know, I'm really working with the Department of Transportation to create those kinds of deterrents because I can tell you that I will not send any of my officers into an active sideshow. It is way too dangerous to do that. And so we have to really think about the environmental designs in deterring things like this. And so that's something that we are working on. I will also say, you know, uh, human trafficking is a ongoing issue in the city of Oakland um, since, you know, forever. Uh, You know, I know that dates back all the way to the 80s, maybe before that. But uh, with that being said, that's why I'm introducing the Mayor's Council on Human Trafficking, really led by survivors um, in regards to how do we support, you know, uh, the young men and women out there who are being trafficked and um, and with a forceful hand on the Johns. Uh, and that's something that we're working on with the mm-hmm. District Attorney's Office and the Sheriff's Office as well, too. I just wanted to um, to return to the sideshow. So the, the police can't like sort of break up the sideshow. They can't like stop the, sh- the sideshow because, you know, they've, we've seen many things on social media where people kind of note that some other places might do it differently than, than Oakland. Well, you know, other places may do different. And I'll let the chief speak on this. But my personal feeling about this is that, look, you have hundreds of people at these sideshows. We know that there's guns at these sideshows. And I do believe that we have to take the greater uh, safety of the community. And a lot of times it's, you know, you have what maybe three 
patrol cars go out there against what a hundred people that you know um, where a quarter of those people may have uh, guns. You know, uh, we really need to work with our and we do with like CHP and what have you. But my officers they do a great job at making sure that they do tow the vehicles when they can. But it's their safety uh, that is that comes first. I want to make sure that they get to go home to their families as well too. Uh, and so really weighing those options out and they've done such a great job at actually uh, not only deterring when they when they can but also making the arrests and especially towing the vehicles but um, chief if you have more to add yes and just uh, to add to that I, I want to echo that the women and men at the police department are extremely dedicated and we actually pull uh, resources every Saturday and Sunday specifically to address Sideshow. Um, again, it's always going to be dependent on the number of officers there and the number of uh, attendees, but we have developed some pretty strong strategies to try and engage and intervene. Um, and we will actually go up and follow up and go after your cars and tow your cars even past the Sideshow. So if we know that you're involved and we uh, have some evidence that we can build, we'll go out and rewrite seizure orders and we'll get your cars. And that's also a very effective strategy. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to get back to the phones, but there's a lot of good comments coming in, too. So um, one listener writes, you know, this is a very complex problem. And while hiring more dispatchers and building trust in police officers is a fine piece of the puzzle, I feel it ignores the question of root causes. I've heard the word desperation said several times today. Mm -hmm. How is this administration working to tackle the myriad of problems that people face in Oakland, including homelessness and addiction, that are all directly related to this crime? Working from root causes means addressing the core. People are desperate and suffering. What are you doing to address that from the perspective of lowering crime at a community scale, not just more policing, which this person says we have seen does not work? Yeah, so um, I would love to answer that. That was something that I wanted to add on to as well, too, as we talk about, you know, uh, it's just not about the police. Absolutely right. You know, as a person, as a daughter of refugees growing up, you know, on cow works and food stamps and really, you know, uh, not having much. I understand that, you know, if you have a child and they are hungry, the kid is going to eat no matter what. And so part of the, uh, what we're doing in regards to the preventative measures is my administration under my leadership, we're investing the most dollars into affordable housing that Oakland has ever seen. That's over $200 million into affordable housing. That's that's a fix that, yes, can happen, you know, in the next three years once it's finally built up. But even in the interim around our homelessness, you know, really look into the modular housing, how we purchase that. I'm working, finally, the city of Oakland is actually working very uh, in good partnership with the county who actually services all the mental health, substance abuse, and all these different resources. We're coming to the table to really flesh out a plan. And um, uh, we're, we're very close to the implementation of our new pilot that I will be announcing very soon with the uh, supervisor's partnership. Uh, more so than that, it's about jobs. And so the city of Oakland is, one, is the only city that that partners with the governor's office to actually bring Job Corps here, right? And and that's really getting money into young people's pockets while actually training them a skill, a technique. The idea is that we will do run this year round. Uh, we went through a deficit that we have never seen before in the city of Oakland, $360 million in deficit over the next two years. That's worse than the actual recession itself. Mm -hmm. We have never been in this situation, but under my values, I said we are not cutting anybody's job because we know it's always the lowest paid workers who gets laid off first. So we saved 
every single city worker's job. And then not just that, but I refuse to close down any parks and rec- recreation program for our young people for after school or before school. And so we save that too. So it's all of these, like when we talk about root causes, it's all of this different programming that we were able to save. Uh, we just recently saved uh, the jobs program from the DVP where we're funding young people to actually, again, learn new skills and techniques really keeping them busy after school um, and uh, getting money into their pockets. And so it's all added on. <laughs> I also feel like um, one thing I take away from that is it could be worse. Um, let's go to uh, Ibby in Oakland. Welcome. Hey, Ibby. Hi there. Oh, great. Thanks for, thanks for having me. Yeah, go ahead. Um, yes, yeah, so I work at a nonprofit here in downtown Oakland. It's called Creative Growth. Um, We're the oldest and largest nonprofit for artists with developmental disabilities. And we're right here actually on 24th near Broadway where the cameras were stolen from the cars. So that seems relevant. Um, But our main concern is just safety around the facilities here. Um, Two weeks ago, we had a Kia crash into the building. Four teenagers had stolen the car, and there was a lot of destruction to the building. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're really, really grateful that no artists were practicing where the car crashed into the building. Um, so another concern is we're planning a community event at the end of October. Um, it's a fundraiser to raise awareness for arts and disability um, pride, and we, we have a lot of concern with people wanting to sign up and register for the event and their safety. It's a walk around Lake Merritt. Um, and especially with the shooting that happened two weekends ago, broad daylight. Mm-hmm. What can we do to make sure that participants in this fun community yeah. event feel safe and protected? Yeah. Ibi, thank you for that. I'm, I'm going to do a bit of a lightning round and let people share a few more experiences, and then we can try and take them in a, uh, in a block here. Alex in Oakland, welcome. Hey, uh, this is Alex from the Video Game Museum. Uh, we gave $100,000 worth of tickets to the library for the summer reading program, and it's been great seeing these kids come in with tickets that they earned for their family by reading books. But there was a piece in the Oakland side this week about the libraries and, and worries the librarians are becoming social workers, and it's very violent at the libraries. It's Especially in the east and west of the libraries, uh, I'd love to hear what the mayor and uh, police folks think of that. Yeah. Um, and we also got uh, one more uh, question here. Norman writes, you know, if there's a progressive prosecutor, many people blame the progressive prosecutor for crime. If there's a tougher on crime prosecutor, those same people blame the police for crime. Recall campaigns are started against progressive prosecutors almost as soon as they take office well before they could have had any effect on crime for good or bad. Tough on crime has had more than 30 years and has not worked. Can we please give progressive crime fighting ideas a few years before we judge the results? Uh, one Another call here, Orlando in Orinda. Welcome. Hi there. Hi, welcome. Hello. Uh, so uh, I was uh, robbed at uh, gunpoint oh, in uh, in uh, downtown Oakland during the day. I, I work there, um, and um, you know when I uh, called nine one one, nobody answered, and they they it took forty five minutes for them to call back. And um, the uh, robbery suspects matched the description of the people who robbed a, uh, a judge at the Alameda County Courthouse. And uh, it took over two days 
for to be able to get a police officer to take my statement. Mm-hmm. And it just seems like nothing, nothing is, has happened at all in the, you know, in the investigation. And um, I'm just wondering what, what, what can a citizen possibly do here to, uh, yeah. you know, to, to, to protect themselves and to, and to, and to find some way to get justice. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of no wonder that it, it made me, made me think that, well, if, if people can do this with impunity all over Oakland, it's no wonder there's a, there's a problem. Uh, Orlando, thanks for your uh, perspective. You know, um, Chief Allison, um, just quickly here, I mean, I'm sure you've heard, there's just a sampling of the kind of stories I'm here. People here, you're the police chief. Of course, you hear these things. Um, what's your response for people who just want things to be better, like right now? So I, all of these, and my heart goes out to all the victims of, of crimes throughout our city. And um, again, as I said, public safety is our, our, our highest priority. And I think, you know, when I go back to how we can impact and prevent crime, um, I talked about different strategies, but, you know, for the victims, I know one caller was uh, asking about what we can do to feel safe. Um, you know, we've pushed out public safety tips as far as being aware of your surroundings, walking in groups, um, being mindful of valuables left in your vehicle or on your person. Um, and, and one of the things when it comes to the last caller, when it comes to um, crime prevention is, you know, in those unfortunate and sad incidents where there is victimization is being able to observe and report. And I, I go full circle back to our dispatch center and trying to get the timely answering calls because once we get that information, we want to get it out to our officers. But as much detail as possible, because these cases are built on evidence, uh, ID, uh, information, timing. And so getting that evidence out and being able to be as detailed as possible will help lead to faster apprehension and better prosecution. Yeah. And if I can just add on to that as well, too, um, you know, this is something that we are just currently working on. But we understand, like, like we will never get into a world where we're going to have an officer in every single street. And I don't believe that we would want that anyways. But we have to support our response time, right? Our response, we have our preventative, right? That's DVP. That's all the stuff that I talked about. It includes housing and all that stuff and root causes. And then in the response, when people are victims of crime and, and crime is actually acting happening, we have to respond in a timely manner. And so this is why we invested that $2.5 million to really support 911 dispatch. And But another thing that we did not have not brought up yet and that we're working on Real is quick. really... Yes, is really working with the drones. And so we're, you know, like higher, uh, like the larger drones that actually uh, doesn't need to be in sight as well, too. So we can send those birds up and really, um, you know, have hyper focus onto where the incident's happening. We've been talking about the rise of crime in Oakland. We've been joined by Mayor Shang Tao, Interim Police Chief Darren Allison, and Interim Chief of Violence Prevention Kentrell Killens. Thank you all so much for uh, joining us this morning. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for another hour of Forum Ahead with Mina Kim. Funds for the production of KQED's Forum are provided by the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, the Germanicos Foundation, the Heising Simons Foundation, and the Bernard Osher Foundation, supporting higher education and the arts.
Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.